This episode of Converge with my guest Ryan Delk is sponsored by Go, the Converge Summit. Go is our annual gathering for entrepreneurial creatives looking to make more than they ever knew possible from the things they are creating. Are you ready for Monday morning? For more information, check out ConvergeSummit.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things, and when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. There comes a point in every creator's trajectory or path when they realize they're not going to just make stuff, they're going to make money from that stuff, that they can't do it alone. They need to find the right partners, the right tools, the right vehicles to take what they've made and bring it to the marketplace. Well, today's guest uh, is Ryan Delk, and Ryan is the head of growth at Gumroad. And if you don't know what Gumroad is, you will in a minute, and you'll be glad you did. But what Gumroad does for people is it's this vehicle to help take creators and bring their stuff out. Uh, And they help regular folks, moms selling cookbooks, aspiring authors, all the way to best-selling New York Times authors, and huge brands in the world, Eminem, Justin Bieber, Coldplay. These are all brands that regularly use Gumroad. And Gumroad has been instrumental for thousands of people to generate a significant amount of revenue simply by removing friction and making it very easy and very powerful to sell what people are making. And I think by the end of today's conversation, at the very least, whether or not you you choose to sign up with Gumroad is one thing. I know I have. But bigger than that, what you're going to see is how powerful growth can happen when you commit to it in a collaborative way. Whether you're, uh, you know, a photographer or a filmmaker or working at a tech company, you have these stories that your work impacts. And I think caring about those stories on a very authentic level is really, really important. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Ryan Delk, welcome to Converge, the business of creativity. Hey, Dane, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here, man. Uh, We had a chance to get to know each other up at uh, Pioneer Nation in Portland with Chris Gillibo and company. I, I got a chance to really do a deeper dive with what you're doing at Gumroad. And I'm wondering if you can help folks, uh, and, and I guess just assume that people don't know what Gumroad is so that we can kind of educate quickly. But but what what is the big idea here? What is Gumroad trying to accomplish? Yeah, so the big idea is that if you're a creator, regardless of, of how big or small your audience is or how much experience you have, it's really, really difficult to sell what you make directly to your audience in a way that is you know, sustainable and allows you to build a business uh, and make a living doing what you love. And so Gumroad, we exist basically to empower creators of all types to make a living doing what they love. And so that that can range from New York Times bestselling authors and, you know, artists that you've heard of um, who sell their albums and their books through Gumroad to independent authors who don't have a publisher, who don't have an agent, who are just selling directly off their site, you know, making hundreds of thousands or in some cases millions of dollars. And we exist really just to to empower creators. And so we, we have very little, uh, there's very little friction to sign up. Um, you know, we try to push as much revenue as possible um, to the creator. So we take 5% 
uh, of you know every dollar that goes through the system, and then we uh, you know handle payment processing and sort of all the complicated stuff that goes with selling content. And our goal is really just to uh, you know allow creative people who are writing books, recording films, producing albums, writing software, whatever it might be, um, you know allow them to be able to do that and distribute it directly to their audience and then retain, you know, a huge percentage of the funds so that they're able to make a living, uh, you know, off those things that they really enjoy doing. Now, how, how did you get involved with them? The company's been around for about two years and you've been around, I think, since the beginning or near the beginning. How, how did you find yourself in with Gumroad? Yeah, so Sahel Avingia is the founder of Gumroad um, and he was an early engineer at Pinterest. And I had just come back from a, uh, a summer in Nairobi, Kenya, working at a tech hub there. And that was actually when I got really excited about startups and uh, sort of what was happening in terms of the innovation and you know the ways that tech was being used to empower people's lives. And so I started working remotely for a company called Square. So I did that while I was at the University of Florida and then decided that I wanted to move out to San Francisco uh, you know, and, and work uh, you know, at a startup. And so I met on one of my trips to San Francisco just sort of to meet people and figure out what was going on and where I wanted to be. Uh, I met Sahil and I think he had just or had left Pinterest and started working on Gumroad. And so we just chatted. He explained to me more about what he was doing. I was really excited about it. Um, and then a few conversations later, uh, you know, I ended up coming out to San Francisco and, and joining the team to, to work on growth and business development and partnerships and all that. Now, you know, just in, in a quick little aside, you covered a lot of geographical territory. You're in Nairobi, you're in Florida, yeah. you're in San Francisco, and uh, you've also been exposed to a lot of, of big-time thinkers, even the brands that you mentioned, Pinterest and Square and others, plenty others. And, and for I think for a lot of listeners, that can feel like, I don't know, intimidating isn't quite the word, but it's just impressive. Like, wow, special people get a chance to do those kinds of things. But in truth, you did have tremendous opportunity, but you also had tremendous gumption. I mean, to put yourself in a position to do those kinds of things. Talk a little bit about your mindset back then when you didn't really have the ground of being connected to what you're doing. All of that was a creative act on your part to put yourself in a position where you could be a part of something like that. Talk a little bit about what your mindset was as you're going through those, those early stage development thinking. Yeah, I think looking back on it, you know, the dots connected really well. And, you know, it looks like a very methodical and sort of pre-planned thing. But I think in the moment, uh, you know, each of those each of those things that I mentioned and, you know, hundreds more in between were just things that I was excited about. And for various reasons I wanted to do, you know, I went to Nairobi because it was, it was the summer after my sophomore year. I wanted to do something crazy that I thought would be, you know, something no one else would do that. I would learn a lot that I probably wouldn't get the chance to do, you know, later on in life. I think for me, it was just, you know, I wanted to do things that I was excited about. You know, a lot of it was trying things and realizing you know, like my first, my first summer in school, I went and worked at a bank and interned there. And, you know, I was really excited about it at first. It was, I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life. And then by the end of it, I realized it wasn't, you know, a lot of it was trial and error and just putting myself in situations that I thought had a very high likelihood of, you know, me loving it and definitely places that I could learn a lot. And that's probably the biggest, you know, if there's one sort of thread that connects it all, it was trying to put myself in situations where, uh, you know, there was either a brand or people that I was working for or working with that I knew I could learn a lot from. Um, and that even if just they rubbed off on me over the course of my time there, I would be, you know, a better person or have learned a lot from that. So that was probably the, the biggest thing that affected my decisions. And then, you know, looking back on it, it sort of, it all worked out pretty well. Yeah. Well, and, and talk a little bit about uh, how important it was for you to, to pick the places that others might not have 
not be willing to go to. I mean, it sounds like, you know, working at a bank, uh, that's a big deal. It's cool, but it's accessible. Like a lot of people can go work at a bank and, yeah. and you decided to like, even the idea of, for a lot of folks, the idea of Nairobi and tech, I mean, that doesn't seem like a fit. If you're going to go to India, maybe that might make it make sense, but you really put yourself into a position that very few ever would go do that would feel too risky or too out of the box. But that probably was really what paved the way, right? I mean, you were, it was those connections that led, led to Square. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was sort of funny because I, I feel like my summer in Nairobi, I actually got more exposure. You know, if you think about the type of people that you would want to meet in tech, uh, you know, if you were interning at a company in San Francisco, uh, I actually got much more exposure to those people by being in Nairobi than I would have ever in San Francisco because hmm. Nairobi is sort of this tech hub for Africa. And so, you know, when companies like Apple are, when their executives are visiting Africa, you know, for various projects or whatever, the iHub where I worked uh, is sort of the center of tech. If there's like some institution that's sort of like the center of tech in Africa, it's the iHub. Hmm. And so most of them would stop by the iHub. And so when they stopped by, it was this immediate context in which we could have, you know, very frank discussions. They would ask me all these questions about what was going on here. You know, and so I had this, these relationships that I was able to build that there's really no situation, you know, mm -hmm. if I was just interning at a startup in San Francisco, there's no situation in which I would be, you know, in those conversations. But because I was doing something unique and, you know, that they perceived to be interesting, uh, there was immediately an interest and a context for conversations. And a lot of those relationships, you know, have that I've maintained to this day and have been, you know, things that have plugged me in and different opportunities that I wouldn't have got otherwise. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about you know, as, as an entrepreneur, which clearly you are, and you're a creative entrepreneur, you're also a, a very thoughtful kind of network minded. Like it's one of the things I, I really appreciated about you when we first met was, you know, you, you actually took a fair amount of, not a fair amount, a lot of, of time and intentional focus on my little project. Like, you know, what I'm, the things that I'm working on and you, it seemed like everyone you talked to, that's what you were doing. Talk a little bit about that, the importance of especially if you're bringing an instrumental product to the market like Gumroad on really listening to and, and caring about the artists themselves, the creators themselves. Yeah, I think in our, in our situation, I think or really in any company that you're working for, like if you aren't really excited about what you're doing and if you don't like really care deep down, uh, you know, about the people that use your product or uh, the people that you're at least building the product for, it's it's probably going to be hard to have any sort of long-term, uh, you know, at least any long-term uh, time there that you're going to enjoy. And so, I, I mean, for me, like part of the reason why, or the main reason why I'm at Gumroad is because I believe that the world will be a better place if Gumroad succeeds at sort of like this very large scale, because I think that creators will be empowered to make more cool content, to be compensated more fairly for what they make. Um, and then that people that currently aren't creating things will start creating things. And as someone who loves art and music and films and reading great books, I'm excited about what that means for, you know, humanity. It's easy to care about this big goal of, hey, let's get millions of people making tons of money on this platform. Uh, and you realize that what's really important is all these individual stories. And so you start caring a lot about these individual stories. And I, I just love talking to creators, uh, you know, sort of regardless of how big their audience is or how much money they make or whatever, you know, just people that are doing interesting things. And really when they care about what they're doing, I think that's what's interesting to me. Like that was something I noticed immediately with you was like, you actually cared about what you were, you know, building. It wasn't like, 
yeah, I'm looking for some side income and I just, I, I want to, you know, I'm doing like Google keyword search to find three niche markets that I can attack and like, I'm going to create an info product and, you know, right, right. have 1200 affiliates and try to, you know, make a thousand bucks a month. Uh, you know, you actually really cared about what you were building. And I think that's for me, like, that's something that really resonates, uh, you know, with me. And so that's the stories that I like to hear. And so, yeah, I think caring about, you know, and, and every company, every platform, every business has this, like whether you're, uh, you know, a photographer or a filmmaker or working at a tech company, you have these stories that your work impacts. And I think caring about those stories on a very authentic level and not just, you know, because you feel like you have to is really, really important. You know, uh, one of the the sexy parts of your business is you get to work with companies like well companies people like uh you know Coldplay as a band or Eminem or uh Justin Bieber in one of our sidebar conversations i <laughs> i played the role of like okay no come on like really like those guys aren't paying the same that everyone else is or they're getting some special break and it was so cool to me that you actually said no you and Justin Bieber are the same <laughs> the same to us and that so reinforces what you're describing, this notion of you really want to be the vehicle that enables, that opens the door, that makes it possible. Gumroad's kind of like this, like, um, calling people's bluff. Like, no, you can actually bring whatever you make to market, like, today. And really, everyone is on the same kind of level playing field. Is, is that how you view it? Because that's how it felt when you described that. Yeah, I think a huge part of what we're doing is trying to level the playing field, because I think that you know, as from an experiential standpoint, if you have a lot of resources and you have a team around you and, and, you know, financial capital to sort of pay people to do things like it can be very easy if you're an artist that has, you know, a team of five or six people working for you full time, uh, you know, from that artist perspective, it actually is very easy to get their work out there because they have someone that like manages their relationship with iTunes and manages their relationship with, you know, all these other platforms. Yeah. And so from their perspective, they just record the music and then it shows up there. But I think that the reality is like if you're an individual creator, all those things are a lot more complicated and the impact of not knowing who your audience is or not getting paid out except for every three months or whatever can be can take a much bigger hit, uh, you know, on your business. And so from our perspective, we want to give everyone that same sort of very easy experience. This the same thing that's really valuable to my mom selling a book is also really valuable to artists who, you know, have huge teams working for them because they're frustrated with the system too. And they love how simple it is. Right. Um, and so I definitely think there is this idea of, you know, the great equalizer. And that's something that Sahil uh, has really pushed. Who's the founder of Gumroad from day one, even early on when I was getting pressure from people who were saying, Hey, we'll only use Gumroad if you give us a special rate. And I was going to him saying, we need to do this. Like we got to get this deal. Like we need to give them a special rate. They're going to push, you know, millions of dollars to the platform. They're huge. We have to do this. And he said, no, like, we're not, we're never going to, and I was frustrated. I'm like, you know, we have to, wait, what do you mean? We, of course they expect this. And mm -hmm. he, he said, they expect, I think like, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like they expect it now, but only because other people do that. And if, and if we don't give it to them, they'll stop expecting it. Mm. And I definitely disagreed with him in the moment, but looking back on it, I'm so glad that he sort of made me, you know, stand up for the, the way, the structure that we've set, because now I don't think I've been asked about that in a year uh, or more mm. by anyone. Because it's just, it's sort of everyone knows, like, this is the deal. Like, this is how you sign up. It's self-service. There's no special deals. There's no, you know, like, sort of off-the-record favors that are being done. And literally, like, no one has ever launched a product through Gumroad at any rate different than anyone else. And I think that's, I think that's super, super important. Well, let's get into some nitty-gritty on Gumroad. So it's pretty self-explanatory. People can figure it out pretty quickly. But people go to Gumroad. 
and who are the people that would come there and what could they expect when they go there? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a large group of people, like a lot of different types of people that use Gumroad. You know, the main sort of four types are filmmakers, authors and publishers, uh, musicians, and then people doing sort of software, whether it be apps or like Photoshop plugins, like things like that, um, fonts, uh, icons, that type of stuff. So anything you can sell directly. Yeah. So, and then now we're starting to, to also work with physical goods, you know, so there's uh, a lot of people that sell, you know, physical uh, you know, whether it's merch or like just physical products that they make, it's really anything that you, that you're creating, that you have, you know, the rights to sell, um, that you can sell directly to your audience. You know, you can use Gumroad for. Got it. What are, what are some of your favorite examples of surprising or clever products that people have brought to market through Gumroad? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of them. The one that I, uh, discovered recently that I think I like the best because I, well, I'll tell the story and then I'll talk about how it, uh, I think it, demonstrates a larger trend that's going on. Yeah. But there's these two photographers called, uh, they call themselves Death to Stock. And um, they were just sort of like normal photographers. I think they just like shot events and stuff, you know, in, I believe they're in Ohio. And then they got really frustrated with this lack of good, like sort of natural looking stock photography. And so they started just this mailing list where they said like, hey, we take a lot of photos for fun. Uh, if you get on this mailing list, we'll just email you some cool photos that you can use, like the like, Creative Commons license, so you can use them for whatever you want. And, you know, it's just like free. So just sign up if you want to, and we'll just send you cool stuff. And so they built this mailing list of people that really wanted this cool stock photography, and they just would send it to them for free. And it was just photos that they were taking that they thought were cool, and they thought people might like. And then they decided, well, why don't we set up like Death to Stock Pro or something and have people do this subscription where they can like actually get more and maybe they have like a professional license for them. So they started doing that and they started making like some pretty significant money from it. And then uh, they decided that they wanted to take a photography road trip and they wanted to just drive to like all these cool cities across America. I think they're driving like from Ohio across to Portland and then down the West Coast. And uh, they wanted to just take photos along the way and they wanted to create these photo packs from every city of cool stock photography and send them to people. And so they, they created... I don't know the exact details, but I think it was something like $10 plus product. So you could contribute $10 or more and it would go to support this road trip. And, you know, then you would get like each photo pack along the way. I was just like, this is, and I didn't know the whole story. I just saw the road trip piece and I thought like, this is so cool. And so I, you know, I made a contribution and then I just emailed them and said like, this is awesome. If there's ever anything we can do to help, let me know. P.S. I would love to hear your story sometime. And so we've chatted a little bit and I've heard more of their story. And basically they had a number, uh, you know, that they wanted to hit in terms of like how much money they needed for this road trip. And I don't remember exactly how much it was or, uh, you know, anything, but the long story short is like they hit that number, I think within the first day or the first like 10 hours or something. Um, And then they, you know, have gone several multiples of that now. And it was just this great example of like, they created a ton of value for this community doing something that they love. And then they're able to, you know, monetize that in a way that like their community is super excited about, like all over Twitter, you would just see all these people tweeting, like, I just supported death to stock. Like, I'm so excited about getting these photos. And so it's just this very authentic, cool experience that I got to be a part of. But what I think is even cooler about it is I think that there's this shift going on in the creative economy where people that used to have this very linear 
you know, sort of function of revenue where they would input one hour of time or five hours of time and they would make X amount of money, whether they were being paid hourly for a photography shoot, um, you know, or per project for an illustration they're doing, uh, you know, or per film they edit or whatever. There's this sort of like very fixed formula of like you work this many hours, you get paid this much. And what I'm excited about, and, and the problem with that is like the only way to make more money or to like, you know, build financial freedom or any sort yeah. of freedom is just work more, right. uh, which is a really bad sort of place to be in. And what I love about it is that they found this way to build a platform and an audience that was very engaged and excited about what they were doing and then deliver a lot of value to them, you know, over time and then say, hey, if you want to support us, like we'll give you more cool stuff. And then now, you know, there's you know, they, they're obviously cultivating that audience and doing marketing and stuff, but there's not this one-to-one correlation between like them having to work more to make more money. They just have this platform now that they can create cool products for and sell. And, and then, you know, able to do what they love, travel around, take photos. Uh, and, you know, I have no way of knowing, but I would imagine that they're going to do many more of these in the future oh, no and that their audience is going to continue to grow. And so that I think is, is like a signal of a very cool shift that's happening. And there's tons of other examples that I could share in other industries with illustrators and filmmakers that are doing this. But I think that's a really, really cool shift that's happening. And I think that the power, you know, in these like sort of creative markets and economies is shifting back to the creators. And I think that's really, really exciting. Yeah, it's funny, as, you, as you're describing, it's a great example, by the way. And as you're describing that phenomenon of taking skill sets and retooling that skill set away from, a, you know, trading time for money approach, and really just taking the skills and dropping them into a different business framework, which is, like, well, the way I heard you frame it was deliver value over time and then give people an opportunity to patronize that and high value prop transactions. Um, that it feels risky, right? Because it, it seems like, for, well, it is risky. On the front end, people are, are like, okay, I want to get paid for my skill today. But what you're saying is like, well, you could do that or you could take like, the, it's almost like when start people who, like you probably did this at Gumroad, I'm guessing, like people get a job at a place like Gumroad and if they're smart, they don't get paid a lot of money up front for their skills. They say, I'll get paid a little less money because you don't have cash. And instead, I'm going to get paid equity. And if we make a whole bunch of money some way, someday, I'm going to get paid out later for that. In a sense, what I'm is kind of like what Mitch Joel talks about a lot in his book, Control-Alt-Delete. Yep. This idea of like, yeah, no, treat your own life like a startup and you are yourself taking less salary in the short term so that you can get the big payday later. Is that yep. is that the right analogy? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think it's definitely, it's a different angle on the exact same thing. And I think it's, it's this idea of like building an authentic business around an audience that's very engaged, that you deliver value to, that's sustainable. And, uh, it's really hard because it, it only takes, you know, one decision on your part to lose your audience's trust or to do something that's going to make them skeptical of future things. And, you know, you have to like sort of, you know, the best people I know at this, if you ask them, like, what is the most important asset you have? they would say their audience and they mm -hmm. defend that with everything in them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they protect the guest posts on their blog and they protect the way that they sell their products and how often they email their list with anything that has a buy link and, mm -hmm. you know, all that type of stuff. And I think that investment pays off in the long term. And I know people that, you know, make a ton of money off a relatively small audience because they've proven that everything they do is going to be really valuable. They're going to put their heart and soul into it and they're, you know, able to make a living and just, you know, spend their time doing what they love and not have to worry about any sort of like, you know, doing things that they're not excited about uh, or just because they feel like they have to.
So I want to ask a question that that it might be a horrible question. <laughs> uh, and it has to do with the folks that hear what you're saying just now and they go, okay, this is a new angle on an old idea. I just need to take a risk on myself. But they don't want to take a risk on themselves. They want to just get paid up front. And maybe, the, I don't know if that's personality driven, like they're not quote unquote an entrepreneur. Is there any convincing of those folks? Because like, I guess the better question is, have you seen people who started from this mindset of, I'm scared to do that kind of model. And in fact, I'm going to go the safe, what feels like the safe route. I don't think it's safe, but they feel like it's safer to get paid right away and not really care about their protecting that group of people that are, are their audience. But they're in that mindset of like, no, I'm scared to put off getting paid. I got to get paid today. Uh, have you ever seen examples of people getting out of that mindset and shifting to the point where they've really flourished? Because I know there's a lot of folks in this audience who are hearing these words and they're going, yeah, I know I should do that. I'm just scared. I'm just terrified. Do you, is it worth trying to talk them off that ledge or are they just going to, uh, is it kind of destined for them to be like that? No, I think, I mean, I think everyone has a different risk profile. You know, I think you see that manifested in a lot of different ways, whether it's people negotiating for lower equity, higher salary, or vice versa at a company, yeah. um, or whether it's someone who's taking a risk and quitting their job to just create products full time. Um, you know, I think it, it manifests itself all over the place. I think actually, though, something to think about is, uh, you know, the idea of the upside of your decisions. And if you are, there's certainly something to be said for, you know, providing for your family, not going into Absolutely. debt, you know, Absolutely. all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. I think that, um, you know, we see lots of people, stories that we see, there are people that start at night after their job is done or take a, you know, shift from five days a week to four days a week at their job and spend that fifth day building an audience and starting to create products and then make that transition slowly. And there, I, I know lots of stories of people who have done that super, super successfully. Uh, so I do think there's something to be said for, you know, a period of transition and managing the risk and, you know, all that. But I think that for me, the thing that I think about a lot is like, what is the potential upside of my actions and what is the actual potential downside? And I think that uh, I often overestimate, I think just as humans, we overestimate the downside out of fear and we underestimate the upside because we just, you know, don't want to say like, oh, I, you know, you're sort of like either insecure. I mean, I'm like super insecure about things that I do. And I think like, oh, I probably couldn't do it that well. or I probably, you know, wouldn't be able to get that done or I could never be that guy. And so I think that like there's this idea of thinking like, you know, every person that you admire, you know, and you would say like, oh, I would love to be them, made this decision at some point. Mm. And, you know, if you don't ever take a plunge, if you don't ever decide to take some small risk, you're basically just creating the ceiling for yourself, you know, in terms of impact that you have. And, and it's not like, I know people that just aren't, that's not something they desire. Like they don't desire to have a big platform. They don't want to have a ton of Twitter followers. They don't want to have a bunch of blog readers. They don't want to right. like go speak places. They don't want to, like, that's just not something they enjoy. And I think that's totally fine. But if you are the type of person that wants to build an audience and create products and sort of just do whatever it is, just do what you love, you know, I think that, and that, that, that doesn't involve like, you know, a sort of normal job. I think that at some point you have to take the risk and, you know, decide like, I want us to take a plunge and it's going to be at first, it's a small risk, like, you know, starting to work on it work on your business at night and not whatever, do some hobby that you were enjoying. Um, and then maybe taking time off work to work on it. But I think that over time, you know, you can sort of mediate the risk a little bit and not make it some like big, huge, uh, you know, massive decision to quit everything and start something else. And then you can use that to build into something that's, you know, much bigger and empowers you to do. Man, this is so good, Ryan. By the way, before I forget, I'm going to ask you one more question in a second. But for folks to track you down, find out more, obviously, gumroad.com is where they want to go. But to, if they want to follow you in particular and have a chance to maybe tell you their story, where, how do they do that? 
Yeah, so I uh, I try to be super accessible. So I'm I'm on Twitter, uh, just at Delk, D-E-L-K. My last name is my handle. Also, my email is just the letter R at gumroad.com. So if I can ever be helpful or uh, just if I would love to hear people's stories of, you know, what they're doing, what they're making, I would love to love to be helpful if I can. So definitely anyone can shoot me an email or, you know, hit me up on Twitter anytime. Uh, okay, so last question is... Uh is an advice question. So you're sitting down, you're having coffee. Maybe it's an old friend from high school or something like that. They heard what you did and uh, what you're in the middle of. And by the way, if you guys don't get this, Ryan's a big deal. Like he's, uh, you know, uh, I'm tempted to talk about the trappings of his, his world, like the cars he's driving, the kinds of vehicles that he flies in, all these kinds of things. It's all very exciting what he's in the middle of. But more than that, he's, he's the real deal. And uh, I, I do hope you take advantage of it. And that's why this question matters in my mind, because I want you to picture... You bumped into an old friend from high school. Uh, you were buddies, but you've just lost track for a while. And uh, he started to make some cool things. And and he doesn't see the value in it yet. Like, he doesn't believe in how much value that is based on all of your experience, all the things that you've seen out there. You see it, and he doesn't see it yet. What advice do you give to that guy? Oh, that's hard. Um, I think the first thing I would say is... Is if it's not already out there, like if it's not, it is impossible for something to have value if it's not out there for people to get value from. Mm. So I, I definitely hear a lot of stories of people who like have created something awesome, but they're just, they aren't getting it out there to people. And I think that's the first step is just like find a way to get it out to the world. And at first it's just going to be, you know, five people reading it that are maybe your friends or five people, you know, knowing about it, but that's going to grow. And the second thing I think is it's super important to listen because for me, like, it's easy for me to think about, and I get caught up in this all the time, like, oh, we need to, we need to do this better at Gumroad, or we need to, like, we need, we don't have this feature, we need to have this feature, like, we, this is, you know, inexcusable, like, how, you know, this platform is not where it needs to be, whatever. Uh, and it's easy to get caught up in that, especially if you're sort of driven, and you want to, like, constantly be pushing, you know, to be a better at whatever you're doing. But it's easy to, in the midst of that, miss the stories of people who you're really impacting and really creating value for. And I think that a lot of times it just takes, even if you only have, you know, someone might have sent you an email time that said, you know, hey, I just want you to know, like I read your this blog post or I, you know, bought this product. But I think going back to that and really listening to, you know, even if it's a close friend that you feel like is just saying that to be nice, you know, listening to people talk about what you're doing is really, really important. And if, if you know, if it's not already out there, then it's, it's, I think it's all about just getting it out there, learning what people's reactions are to it, and then, you know, finding ways to just constantly create more value for them. This was episode 031 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. Convergepodcast.com is our home where you'll find past episodes as well as Go, our annual gathering for creatives looking to make a difference with their creations. Music today provided by triplestudemusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Cueza at acreative.co for her audio production. And a special thanks to Ryan Delk for being with us. Visit him at gumroad.com. As usual, I want to thank you for spreading the word about the show. When you leave questions and comments on the site and rate us on places like iTunes, we recognize that you caring enough to do that sort of thing is a really big deal, and we're grateful. That's it for now. I'm Dan Sanders. I'll see you here next time.